Praise God and welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. So glad to have you here today. And uh, before we get into the word, let's open in a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, Jesus, we just praise your most magnificent name, Lord God. And we thank you for this ability to be able to get together and hear your words today, Lord God. And I ask, Father God, that your, the words that come forth, that these would be your words and that you would prepare our hearts and our minds and our spirits to receive your words today and that they would be planted as seeds on fertile ground so that when the enemy rears his ugly head, Lord God, that the words would come bubbling up out of our spirits without us having to think about it and to be able to use your words today, Lord, that we hear to be able to defeat the enemy the way your son Jesus did when he was tempted uh, in the desert by Satan, Lord God, because we know that in order to defeat the enemy, we need to be able to know your word and be able to use your scriptures to be able to defeat him, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that these words would get sunken deep within our spirits, Lord, and that you would open our spirits to hear from you today, Lord God, and that these words would touch each and every single listener in your own special way, Lord God. These things we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, praise God. Once again, thank you for uh, joining us here at Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Happy to have you here to be able to partake in the word of God. And if you don't have your Bibles, you know, pause this message and Go grab your Bibles, uh, a pen, paper, highlighter, you know, to be able to take notes and then come on back and, and resume this uh, this podcast so that you can see for yourself what the word of God says in regards to the subject that we're going to be talking about today. And, you know, it's it's important that we mark up our Bibles and, and that we take notes and that we highlight certain sections because like like just like in school. You know, when you were studying and, and if you had the ability to keep the textbook and make notes in the textbook, you would mark off notes and fold pages and do all of those things so that when you're studying it later on, you can see the various meanings to the text that you're, uh, that you're actually uh, looking at so that it can call to remembrance the things that, uh, that, that, that you read at the time that you read. And so doing the same thing with the word of God just helps us to be able to, as Holy Spirit guides you to be able to take those notes so that when you go back and study, you, you know, you, you have some deeper meaning and some deeper understanding of some things that might not have been there before because it is, his word is a living word. Praise God. So diving into scriptures, uh, hopefully now you have your Bible. Um, turning your Bible to Matthew chapter 26. I'm going to go to the book of Matthew and we're going to go to chapter 26. And we're going to start in verse number 36. So that's Matthew 26 verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, underline this, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, what, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. 
The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. So what I want to talk today about is the subject around acting according to your will. All right. Acting according to your will. Oftentimes we may have heard people and we may have done this ourselves is that we did something and we blame somebody else for the reasons why we did it. Right. So uh, Sally made me do this or Joe made me do that. This person made me do that. As Christians, I've even heard many Christians say that the devil made me do it. All right. Well, the devil forced me to make that decision. Or if it wasn't because of, if it, if it, if the devil didn't exist or if Adam and Eve didn't sin, I, I wouldn't have this problem that I have uh, today. And many times we do that as Christians. And I've heard Christians make those kind of claims that blame outward, um, situations or, or, or blame other people for their own actions. But the reality of it is, is, you know, unless someone physically grabs you and forced you to do something that you didn't want to do, you made a choice to actually do it. Unless you were possessed, and the Bible talks about possession, and I'm not going to get into, into, into preaching a message on possession or anything like that. You can read scriptures uh, and, and see what the Bible talks about possession and how Jesus uh, cast out a, a man that was possessed by, by a demon there. And, but unless you're possessed and the devil has taken control or a demon has taken control over your body to do something, anything that you did was a conscious choice that you made. Again, of course, you know, that's, that's also barring the fact that you, you, you are in full control of your entire body. You don't have a, a mental condition where for whatever reason you lose control over, over, over your body. But the things that you do are, are done by an act of your will. And that's what I want to talk about today is acting upon your will. Because it's our will oftentimes that drives us to do the things that we actually do. Very rarely do we do something because somebody else wants us to do it. We want to actually do it, and that's why we do it. Jesus himself prayed to God the Father, saying, not as I will, Father, but as your will. So Jesus wanted to do God's will on that journey to the cross there in Gethsemane, knowing that he was going to suffer death and, and some uh, separation from God the Father, which he has never experienced. And that's where that sorrowness was, was coming in, knowing that he was going to have that separation. However, his prayer was for God's will, God the Father's will, to be done, and that Jesus would align himself with that will, but he wanted the cup to pass from him. In verses 36 through 38, we see something that's very interesting and that can really, really highlight some things in our lives that we need to be mindful of. Jesus went away from everyone so that he can pray. And if we want to do God's will in our lives, sometimes by an act of our own will, we have to get away from distractions so that we can go and pray. We have to get away from all the people that would be around us and pulling on us for, 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 for their time to talk to them and to listen to them and do things. And sometimes we just got to get away from all of that and just get away and actually pray to God. To listen to what God has to say, to have a conversation with him as, as a friend, like in Exodus, in the book of Exodus there, it talks about how God and Moses talked as though they were friends. God spoke to Moses as he was a as if he were a friend. Okay. So we should be able to get time away from people just to sit there and talk to God, get time away from situations so that we can spend some time to, with God to see what he, what it is that he wants us to say. In verse 39 there, again, again, he says, he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, not as I will, not as I will, but as you will. 
Jesus' only desire was to accomplish that which God the Father wanted him to accomplish through Jesus' ministry. Through the calling that God the Father had for Jesus to die on the cross so that we can have access to eternal life. That was the only will that Jesus himself wanted to, wanted to follow. Jesus didn't act according to his own will, but according to God the Father's will. And throughout scripture during Jesus' ministry, he talked about how he is here to, to do the will of his father. And he, and he speaks on behalf of, of God the Father and, and that God the Father is the one that sent him. All right. So over and over again, you see it not just in his actions, not just in his words, but also in his, in his actions. You see, words are nothing without action. We can read the scripture all day long. We can try to study it and we can take all the notes and make all the highlights that we want. But it doesn't have any meaning until we actually internalize what it is that we're reading to our actual lives. That's what studying the word of God is all about. It's being able to read through 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 scriptures and pause and reflect and talk to God and find out what does this mean for my situation that I'm in right now? How does this apply to me in what I'm going through right now? Or what I feel like I might be going through uh, in, in the future. What does this actually mean for me? Once we internalize what the word of God is for us, then, then we can follow up with the appropriate actions. But again, it has to be according to our will. In other words, we have to have the will to be able to do the things that God calls us to do. You can read the Bible and you can study it. It doesn't release, it, it's not... Studying the word of God is not uh, uh, some sort of magic pill, if you will, or some sort of prescription that you could take that automatically, like once you read it and you study it, that, that somehow all of the world's problems are going to go away for you. Or somehow that that, that, that you're going to be walking locked in step with, 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 what, with what God wants to happen in your life. You have to make that choice by an act of your will to not to after you reading it to be able and understanding it to be able to then turn that into actions according to what God wants you to do. But we have to be very careful because there are some major factors that can keep us from acting in a way that is acceptable to God. One of the areas of our lives that has an impact on whether or not we choose to act according to our will, to someone else's will, whether it's another human being or, or something like that, or to God's will, is our thoughts. Thoughts play a major role in our actions or a major role in influencing our actions. Turning your Bibles to uh, the book of Mark, and we're going to go to chapter number five. That is Mark chapter five, praise the living God, and we're going to go to verse number 21. Praise the living God, Mark, uh, Mark chapter five, verse 21. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. I want you to under, underline where it says 12 years. I want you to underline that, okay? Uh, underline that. So, verse 25, now a certain woman of blood had a, a certain woman, excuse me, had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things for many, uh, for many phys physicians and spent all that she had and was no better. 
but rather grew worse. Underline that there in verse 26, where it says, spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Okay. So a few things here. All right. Sometimes God puts us in a place where we have to deal with hardship for his reasons. Okay. For his reasons that we entirely may never, may never understand. All right. There's certain, certain situations that I've been in my, in my life and I have loved ones and family and friends that have, have said this kind of the same thing that there's certain situations that they have been involved in their lives that they have no idea why God allowed them to go through that. And if we look around the things that are happening around the world, there, there are some things we just look and we're just like, we don't know why God allows certain things to happen, but he has his reasons in for that. God will permit us to go through a hardship in order, in a situation, in order to help strengthen our faith. So when we have those thoughts in our minds about why am I going through that situation, take a step back for a minute and understand that we go through what we go through so that we can be spiritually strengthened. So our reliance on him becomes more so that we, we, we can maintain humility and stay humble and not allow pride and not allow ourselves to be puffed up in pride and become haughty but to be able to be strengthened our faith, our spiritual muscles to be able to understand that God has something better in store for us, but he's preparing the way for us. That's why we're in those situations. There's no time limit. There is no time limit to how long you might end up going through a situation. Okay. And where we get into, into problems uh, as children of God is that when we think in our minds that, Lord, I've been through this long enough and I should be delivered out of this right now, Lord. Like, I can go in right now and go online and I can find out what's going on halfway around the world in a matter of five minutes. So if I can do that by going to the Internet, Lord, why is it that you who's all powerful and loves me and cares for, cares for me, why is it that you can't just deliver me out of this situation in five minutes? Why do I have to continue to endure these same old people in the workplace or that same neighbor that's been, you know, ha has kids, has keeps getting their toys tossed over my fence and ending up in my backyard. And I've got to keep throwing them over. They got to keep knocking on the door to get the to retrieve their toys. All right. Why do I have to keep going through that? Well, we never know why, other than the fact that God is trying to prepare something for us. This woman with this issue of blood, she saw the doctors. She made herself broke. She spent everything that she had and she never, ever actually got any better. The Bible says right there, we just read that. In fact, in verse 27, she was no better, but rather she grew worse. She spent everything that she had and she saw all these specialists, but the situation didn't get better. The question we need to ask ourselves is what situation are we in right now that could be getting worse because we're trying to take control Instead of giving up control to God. What situation might you be going through right now? That God is trying to tell you to stop thinking about how to get out of the situation and to let me be me in your life. Let me, God the Father, God all powerful who has sent you a comforter, let me be me in your life and give yourself up. Give your own will and your desires up to my will and my desires and let me handle the situation in a way that I know that's going to be best for you. When God handles situations for us, it's almost like medicine. Medicine doesn't taste good. I remember as a kid eating or, or eating, uh, uh, taking some medicine there. And it sometimes it just, it just tasted nasty. Some of the stuff was just the worst thing you've ever tasted, you know, and, and it makes you wonder when you look at the little box, 
there and it says, you know, strawberry flavored or grape flavored, you know, and you take it and it's like, oh, if grapes ever tasted like that, I would never eat a grape ever again. <laughs> Amen. You know, but we know that while it doesn't taste good, it's doing something to our physical body that's going to help us. Well, when God walks us through and allows us to go through these various trials and tribulations, regardless of how long they are, they may not feel good, but they are actually better for us because it develops hope and perseverance and strength and faith in us. Okay. But we need to ask ourselves in our situations that we in, what could be, what could we be doing to make the situation worse because we won't relinquish control to God? Verse number 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, underline that, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. So this woman didn't know Jesus. Right. It didn't know Jesus. OK, it says that in verse 27, she heard about Jesus, meaning she never actually had a conversation with Jesus. But she knew that if she could just touch his garment, if she can just put her hands on him, that her that that, that, that her issue of blood would be would, would be made well, that all the situation that she's got going on with her physical body, all of that stuff will be healed. And those issues would be taken away if she can just touch him. She didn't try to rationalize in her head. By her thoughts and about what she thought she knew, she didn't try to rationalize how is it that Jesus would be able to make her well. She just knew that there was something about this Jesus that would make her better. She didn't think about it. She just knew it. And because she knew it and didn't try to rationalize it, by an act of her will, she reached out to touch Jesus. Okay, She reached out to touch Jesus because she knew that all she had to do was touch his, his, his clothes and he would she would be made well. Verse 29, uh, let's go verse 28 again. For she said, if I, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her, she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Underline that. Who touched my clothes? But the, his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging me and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Underline that in verse 34. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So we see a lot of things there. One, like I said earlier, she knew in her, in her, in her heart. Okay. She knew in her heart that if she could just touch this man named Jesus, that she's never spoken to, that she would be made, made well. And that thought then drove her actions by, by, by a, an act of her will. She reached out and she touched Jesus and it says immediately her fountain of her blood was dried up. So as soon as she touched him, she was healed. As soon as she touched him, she was healed. And Jesus told her, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Jesus responds to faith. God responds to faith. But faith also has to mean that in, in, in our, in our spirits and in our hearts, we know that God, that all things work together for good. 
For those that love the Lord, the called according to his purpose, uh, as scripture says, we know those things in our heart and our spirit. So if we can get those things up into our mind and not rationalize how is it that that can happen, that allows, or I shouldn't say allow because God could do whatever he wants, but that actually, that puts God into a situation where he, he, he will more, he will respond because of your faith and your faith then is driving the actions that you take, not your thoughts. Okay. All right. You're, 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 we can look in our heads, right? And we can think about all these things that we're going through and we can sit there and say, this is not going to work out. That's not going to work out because it just doesn't make sense. Okay. But if we don't control those thoughts and if we don't get that, if we can't eliminate that desire and that need to rationalize every single thing, especially when it comes down to the things of God, we won't be able to, by an act of our will, act in faith, which then won't put God in the situation where he's going to respond. God responds to our faith. God responds to our faith. It wasn't the touching of Jesus that healed this lady. It wasn't the touching of Jesus. It started with the faith that she had that if she touched him, she would be healed. And Jesus said right there in verse 34, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Verse 35, while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? In verse 35 there where it says your daughter is dead, why trouble the teacher any further? If you're going to circle that or highlight it, and I want you in your margin to write the word doubt, okay? Write the word doubt, all right? Here we see somebody from a position of authority that comes to, 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 to Jairus here and says, look, your daughter's dead. Like, why are you troubling Jesus over this? She's gone. Leave him alone. He's got more important things to deal with than your little small problem, okay? She's gone. He can't do it. Trying to plant that doubt, okay? Remember thoughts. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. So we see that again, faith, do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw the tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Underline that. The, the child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Okay. See, Jesus knew right here. Okay. Jesus knew right here that by these actions and what people were thinking in their minds, that there was a lot of doubt and unbelief that was around Jairus's daughter. And he knew, he knew that in, all, that, that in order for Jairus' daughter to be healed, he had to eliminate those around that would be around him, trying to plant seeds of doubt and continue to water that doubt that was already planted in Jairus' mind by the ruler of the synagogue or by, by somebody that, that represented the ruler of the synagogue there, okay? And he went to the ruler of the synagogue and told him, don't be afraid, but you have to believe. Okay. And so Jesus realized that and said, okay, there's only certain people that I'm going to take with me as I go to speak to this child, because I know the child is not dead, but asleep. When we're thinking about the things that God wants us to do in our lives, we have to look at the people that are around us. Okay. We have to look at the people that are around us. 
And don't bring the people with you on the journey that God has sent you on that is going to constantly plant doubt into your mind to have you think that God is not who he says he is, that God isn't who you know him to be. Because there will be people that are around us, even other children of God, believe it or not, okay, even other children of God that haven't seen the miracles happen in their lives that, that God has done. Okay, and God has worked miracles in their lives and, and they just for whatever reason don't see it. All right. Or they don't they don't believe it or they think it was because of themselves that 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 miracle happened. But there will be people that will be in your lives that call themselves children of God that will plant doubt into your head. Do not bring those people on the journey with you that God is calling you on. Okay, Jesus didn't bring those people with him when he went to go heal his heal Jairus's daughter. He got rid of them. He kicked them out. He told them to leave. He only took the people with him that were going to have faith in his power through God the Father. Okay. Uh, verse number 40 again. And they ridiculed him, but when he had put them all out, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was, uh, where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha, uh, Kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and said that something should be given to her to eat. So there you see, all right, there you see, Jesus surrounded himself with people that had the faith in his power, knowing that, knowing that, 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 that God will heal, okay, through the, through Jesus, um, um, talking to the little girl and through the people having faith that this little child was going to rise up and walk. That she was going to get up and start moving around and, and, and that she was no longer dead and that it was true that she was just asleep, as Jesus said. She wasn't dead. Once Jesus pulled those people around, then the miracle was able to happen. Don't share things with people that are only going to make you doubt what God can do in your life. Don't share things with people that are only going to make you doubt what God can do in your life. Okay? Don't do it. The devil will use anybody that he can. The devil will use anybody that he can in your life. It doesn't matter who it is to plant doubt that God can actually do the thing that he, that you know that he can do. Be watchful of who those people are. Okay? Be very careful about who those people are. Because once those people plant that doubt into your head and you start to, to, to start thinking it, those thoughts then will influence what actions you actually take. It's not possible to keep thoughts from entering into your head. The thing that you can control, however, is how long that thought stays there. The reason why we stress out is because we're thinking about a situation that seems impossible. We're thinking about a situation that we don't know how to control and don't know how to manage and don't know how to get out of. And that starts to, we, we start to, uh, uh, to linger on that thought and we start to, to meditate and focus on that thought. And that thought takes us away from God. And then the stress starts to settle in. Then the worry and the fear and the, the anxiety, all of that stuff starts to settle in. Not because the thought entered into our mind, but because we started dwelling on that thought instead of getting that thought out of our mind. So if a negative thought gets planted into our mind, what should we do? Go to 2 Corinthians. Okay? When a negative thought enters your mind, what should you do?
Go to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, and we're going to start in verse number 4, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse, uh, verse number 4. Oh, let me get to the right scripture here. Praise the living God. I told you all one thing, and I went to something completely different. <laughs> Praise the living God. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. If you don't have all of those scriptures underlined there, four through six, underline all of them, double highlight them, whatever it is. And remember, that when those thoughts come about, those negative thoughts, okay, that it's not physical warfare, it's spiritual warfare, okay? And we can pull down those arguments, we can pull down those thoughts, and we can cast out every single one of those thoughts that, 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 that won't allow us to be obedient to God, to what God is calling us to do, all right? Now, what would that might, what, what might that look like in our lives? Like a thought that would exalt itself above, above God. Anytime you allow a thought that is contradictory to the word of God and to what you know of, of, of who God is and what his word says. Anytime you allow a thought like that to influence your actions, that thought is exalting itself above God. And the reason it's doing that is because it's taking your focus away from God and putting it on something that man would worry about, not something that God would look into, not something that God would handle. That's a, in a thought that's exalting itself above God. You might be sitting in church, okay? Instead of focusing on the message, you're thinking about the ham or something that you got in the oven at home. You're thinking about catching the game or going fishing or hanging out with some friends or thinking about what's coming up at work on Monday morning, all right? Those thoughts that are keeping you from listening to the message that's being delivered, those thoughts are exalting themselves above God because it's getting your focus away from God. So remember this scripture here. Remember these scriptures. When those thoughts start to come in and, 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 you, and you start to start feeling negative and, it, and they get planted in your mind, remember that, that, that our weapons of warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. There in verse 5. Verse, uh, verse 4. Verse 5. Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Okay, remember these scriptures. If you don't have those scriptures bookmarked, definitely bookmark them. You know, these are great scriptures to remember so that when those negative thoughts come in, you know how to deal with them, all right? Because we know that the only way to defeat the enemy is using the word of God, okay? The only way to defeat the enemy is is, is by using the word of God, all right? So thoughts, our thoughts if left unchecked can impact our will to follow the, the, the things that God has set out for us, the, the path that God wants us to follow. When we start allowing our thoughts to guide what we do, and we start relying on our own abilities for success, pride can set in. Pride is one of those things that also will cause our actions to not be in alignment with the word of God. Turning your, uh, turning your Bibles to Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20. And we are going to go to verse number one. No, Numbers chapter 20, 
verse one. We're talking about pride now. We just looked at how thoughts can impact our, uh, our, our actions and how a lack of faith can impact our actions. All right. And not bringing in the, and not surrounding ourselves with people or making sure that we don't surround ourselves with people that are going to plant those negative thoughts, how that can impact our decision. Now we're going to look at how pride can actually impact our will aligning with God, with God's will. Numbers chapter 20, verse number one. Then the children of Israel, the whole congregation came to the wilderness of Zin in the first month. And the people stayed in Kadesh and Miriam died there and was buried there. Now there was no water for the congregation. So they gathered together against Moses and Aaron and the people contended with Moses and spoke saying, if only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought us up the, the uh, brought up the assembly of the Lord into the wilderness that we and our animals should die here? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. So things got a little tough. Okay. Israelites were going through some situations here, okay? And remember by this, at this point, Jesus, or excuse me, God already told Moses that, that for, for your years of being, for your, for the days that you were being disobedient to me, these are the days that, these are, are going to translate into the number of years that you are going to be wandering, all right? So, so based off of that, it was 40 years that Israel was going to be wandering in, uh, in the desert. That's what God said was, was going to happen. So they're having some struggles here right now. Things got a little tough. We have to make sure that we pay very careful attention to our thoughts when things are becoming difficult, becoming difficult. All right. Don't wish to go back to the old life. Don't wish to go back to the way things were before you became a child of God. OK, don't wish that. I'm telling you, it's not any easier. All right. Life before God is not easier than life with God. Don't be like these Israelites here that want to go back to Egypt, if you will. They want to go back to being slaves and, and being under the rule of Pharaoh and under, and under those harsh conditions just simply because they say that this place, according to them, has no water and there's no food. All right. Be careful about that. Verse number six. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting and they fell on their faces and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. You see what Moses and Aaron are doing here is that they weren't really getting defensive. OK, they understood they understood that, it, that they needed to take the situation to God. So if somebody comes against you, don't get so all haughty and high and mighty and puffed up and saying, hold on a second now. there, Who do you think you are to speak to me in such a way? Don't get like that. OK, yes, we are. We are children of God. And, and, and yes, greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. And yes, we need to be confident in going into situations and confident in dealing with people and, and challenges. But don't let a spirit of haughtiness get in there to where you feel like, huh, wait a second now. Who do you think you're talking to when you're talking to me? You must not know who I am. Don't get like that. OK, and be very careful of entertaining those kind of thoughts that said it, because if left unchecked, it can develop into pride. All right. But instead, go to God and seek him out. Verse number seven. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, take the rod, you and your and your brother Aaron and gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes. Underline, speak to the rock before their eyes and it will yield its water. Thus, you shall bring water for them out of the rock 
and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded. So when, 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 when God is talking to Moses and tells him to speak to the rock and it's going to yield its water. Okay. Water we know is, is, is life giving. Okay. Um, in many different ways, physically and spiritually speaking. All right. Um, when scientists are looking at other planets and whether or not there might be life existing on other planets, they look first to see if there's any water on that planet because when, when, when water is found on a planet, it's known that there are probably microscopic organisms that are living on that planet, meaning that that planet has the ability to potentially sustain life. Not always life as we think of, of, of us as humans and animals and, and birds and things of that nature, but microscopic organisms, uh, that, that are birthed, if you will, um, uh, uh, by water. All right. The planet is about, you know, 70, 75% water. Our bodies are 70, 75% water. And, and we can survive longer on just water alone as opposed to just food alone. All right. So water brings life. And Jesus said that whoever drinks of this water will never thirst. Okay, talking about everlasting waters, all right? Water, uh, um, waters of life. That's what Jesus Jesus was talking about when he said that. And so, water brings about life. And really, what God is kind of, in essence, telling Moses here is that go to the people of Israel, and when you're speaking to this rock so that it yields forth its water to keep everyone alive, you're speaking life into the situation of, of, of this negative situation that the Israelites are facing. When we are facing these, these situations and when we're surrounded by people that might be coming against us, we need to speak life into that situation. We need to speak life into those, into those people. We don't need to be getting ourselves all caught up and wrapped up in their negative thoughts and their negative confessions and being like them. We need to rebuke that in the name of Jesus and speak life into that situation. All right. And we need to model that for the people that are around us so that when they see us doing that, that hopefully they start to wonder why is it that you can be so positive when we got enough when everything that's surrounding us is just negative? How can you be so positive? You look at them, look at them with a smile and say, Do you really want to know why I'm positive? Do you want to know who my father is? Do you really want the answer to that question about why is it that you know people are losing their jobs and and and, and these things, all these things to the economy are taking place, and why it is that I'm not worried? Do you really want to know? Because I'd be happy to share it with you. And when we're speaking life into that situation and we're speaking life around those people that are being negative, we're not doing it because of our uh, uh, skills and our abilities, but we're doing it because we know who God is. And we know how God has delivered us through various situations. And we know that while we might not be able to see a way out of what's going on around us, that we know that God sees a way out. And I'm going to bring God into every single one of my discussions, regardless of who's around me. Regardless of who's around me, regardless of what the situation might be. So we need to speak life into the situation that's making people be negative, not because of our capabilities, but because we know who God is and we know how God operates. Verse number 10, and Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, here now, you rebels, must we bring water for you, for you out of this rock? Underline that there. Here now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. Underline that. Struck the rock twice with his rod. We saw in verse 8, what did God tell him to do? Speak to the rock before their eyes. In verse 11, what did Moses do? He struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came out abundantly. 
and the congregation and their animals drink. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me, to hollow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given to them. Underline all of that uh, in verse number 12, all right? Therefore, you shall not bring the, this assembly into the land which I have given them. This was the water of Meribah because the children of Israel contended with the Lord and he was hollowed among them, all right? Now, let's put this in a little perspective here and understand something, okay? Moses, who has gone through such amazing situations, he spoke to Pharaoh after he told God that he wouldn't have the ability, that he's not a, a man of, of good speech. He went to Pharaoh and Pharaoh released the Israelites. He took them to the Red Sea and raised his hand and watched God depart the Red Sea and then watched God close it on the on, on the Egyptians as, as they chased them. So God knows, I mean, Moses knows God. All right. Moses is in this leadership position and and, and he's being um, he, he's being victorious through God. But when the people start coming against him, he started operating with a spirit of haughtiness and started getting prideful and saying to the people, well, wait a second. Do we have to go down and constantly bring water from you, water for you? Do we have to do? He's not using he's not saying we as in God and God in us. Right. He's using we as in. Me, myself, and I, and Aaron. It's all about Moses in this situation here. Quickly, he has forgotten what God has done. Moses was angry with the people for coming against him that he, got, he forgot that it was God who was the one that was supplying their needs during this time that they've been, they've been wandering. Moses struck the rock out of his anger towards the people. Out of his anger towards the people, he struck it not once, but twice. Because he yelled at me, he said, Oh, you rebels, here now, you rebels. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? So now he's angry with them. He decides to strike the rock. He he acted based off of his emotion. He acted based off of his emotion. We need to be very, very, very careful that we don't make decisions off of emotion. When you make decisions off of emotion, it's all about you. It's not about anybody else. It's all about you. It's all about how you feel about a, a person or a situation or a circumstance. It's not about God. It's not about anybody else other than you. Whenever we make emotional decisions, we're making decisions based off of a temporary feeling that has a permanent consequence. Emotional decisions, I'm going to say that again. When we make emotional decisions, what we're doing is we're making a decision based on a temporary feeling that has a permanent consequence. Moses' emotions that he allowed to, to guide his actions, okay, his emotions that allowed that he allowed to guide his actions caused him to strike the rock, which then led to the ultimate consequence of Moses not seeing the promised land. When we act because of pride, we won't be able to see the promised land that God has for us. God's anger gets riled up against us and gets kindled against us. And it could block blessings from coming not only into our own lives, but into the lives of those that are around us. For anyone out there hearing this message that's in a leadership position in the workplace there, or whether it's in government, understand that the actions that you make have more impact beyond just you. So if you're in a leadership position somewhere and you're hearing this message, I pray that 
You go to God before you make a decision to make sure that it's not one that's being done out of emotion, but that it's one that's being done and not being done based off of pride, but being done because your will is aligned with God's will. And if you're not in a leadership position, maybe you're the head of your household or you're on some sort of special project in the workplace and you're leading people, all right? Or maybe it's just leading yourself, all right? Just leading yourself, okay? Don't make decisions based off of emotion. Emotional decisions rarely, rarely play out in a positive way. Rarely do they have a positive impact on your own life and someone else's life. And if you take a step back from it, you could probably imagine times when you've made emotional decisions and you thought back like, oh, Lord, why did I make that decision? I know I certainly can look over my life and I can see those times when I've done that. And it never had positive impacts. So don't make an emotion, a decision based off of a temporary feeling. When you make a decision based off of emotions, you are being prideful. That's a prideful decision. Why? Because at that time, you're not thinking about anyone else other than yourself. Okay? You're not thinking of anyone else other than yourself when you make an emotional decision. Pride sets in. All right. Another way that pride can show up in our lives is by thinking that any job, that some job, any task is too beneath us. Okay. That is beneath us. We won't go there now, but if you look in the book of John, you'll, you'll see in, in chapter 13 where Jesus was washing his disciples feet, but Jesus was washing his disciples feet. And they were like, what are you doing? Washing my feet, Jesus. Like, like you're, you're my, you're my master. I should be washing your feet. You shouldn't be washing my feet. And Jesus was doing that because he understood something that they did not know. He understood something that they did not know, something that they could not see. And the point that he was making is that no servant is above his master. And if you look around at some of the problems that we have today, okay, and this has been going on for years, several years, say within the last 10 years or so, okay, you can see where people believe that they are higher than their, than their, than their masters, okay, that they know more than their, than their, their bosses. That they know more than people that are in leadership positions and they'll talk like them like a, talk about them like a dog behind their back. Okay. But the reality is if they were in those positions of authority, right? One, recognizing that anybody that's in a position of authority is only because God allowed them to be there. But don't get so puffed up in pride thinking that you can do a better job than them. And when you start targeting their positions, when you start going after them, you start making them look bad because you feel like you can do a much better job. None of us are above those that actually teach us. None of us are bigger than those, than, than that one who has sent us. And that's God. So when God, and knowing that God has sent us, we can't allow ourselves to get to a point where we think we know more than God. When we act off of emotions, when we act according to our own will and our selfish desires, in essence, what we're saying is that, Lord, I know more than you do. I know how to handle this situation better than you. So I'm not even going to give it to you. I'm going to do it myself because I just know better. Okay. That's what happens when pride starts to set in. Okay. We should never think a task is beneath us to perform. This also includes the ministry that God has called us to serve in. 
God has called every single child of his to serve in a ministry. This doesn't necessarily mean that you're serving in an actual church on, on some sort of deacon's board or as an elder or, or, or something like that necessarily or preaching. That doesn't mean that at all. What it simply means is that as a child of God, you are part of the body of Christ. And as a part of the body of Christ, you have a role to fulfill. So seek God out and ask him, what is it? What is the role that you want me to fulfill in the body of Christ? And don't be prideful in thinking that whatever he calls you to do is beneath you and just shoo it off and poo-poo it, so to speak. Okay. When pride starts to set in, what can we do when it starts to creep its way in? In closing here, last, last scriptures here, turn in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 11. Okay, Proverbs chapter 11, and we're going to go to verse number two. Praise the living God. Proverbs 11, verse number two. All right, so remember this when pride kicks in. When pride comes, then comes shame. But with humble, but with the humble is wisdom. If you don't have that underline, underline all of, all of that. When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. So in other words, when we get prideful of our in ourselves and we think that we know better than God and we make decisions absent God and we allow our pride to guide our will and our actions, shame is going to come. Because what the devil will do is when you make prideful decisions and you get it wrong, the devil's going to start guilting you and saying, huh, you thought you knew it all, didn't you? And you know nothing. Now, he's not going to say you should have gone to God, but what he's going to do, he's going to point the finger at you and blame you. And then you're going to start to feel that shame of maybe I don't know what I'm doing. But if you can remain humble and, and have that humility, that's where learning comes into play. That's where wisdom is gained. That's how I, I learn about God and I can study his Bible. And I don't go around life thinking that I, I've reached this ultimate state of understanding the word of God that I've surpassed everybody's knowledge, including God himself, about what the word of God is, about what the word of God says and who he is. Learning about God is a lifelong journey. Nobody that goes home to be with the Lord reaches some level, some pinnacle level of knowledge of God, that they know everything about God and they know everything about the Bible. No, 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 no. And if you watch very carefully, you can see the people that bring forth a message from God or bring forth something from the Bible and say that it's of God and the reality of it, it has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do about them. God will increase our wisdom. God will increase our knowledge of him. How we use that, however, how we use that is all dependent on how we act. By an act of our will, we can either utilize the knowledge of God for good to bring people closer to him or for evil, making it about ourselves and being puffed up with pride and talking about, look at me, look at me, look at me, okay? So put God's will before your own will. Let him lead and guide your thoughts and actions so that you don't become puffed up in pride. Let God be God in your life and allow him to disrupt whatever it is that he needs to disrupt that's keeping you from him. Don't allow those negative thoughts to guide your actions. Don't allow pride to guide your actions. Don't think anything, uh, a task is too small for you or beneath you to perform, especially if it's something that's God's calling you to do. 
and work on aligning actions, your own actions and your own will with the will of our most awesome and wonderful Lord God. Praise the living God. Y'all, I pray this message uh, was a blessing to you. And before we close, let's end with a prayer. Dear Lord God, Jehovah, most awesome and wonderful Lord God, we just praise your most magnificent name, Lord, and we just thank you for the words that you've given us today. I want to pray for everyone, Lord God, that has heard this message, Lord, and ask that you would just help us, Lord, to not dwell on the thoughts that would keep us away from you. Those negative thoughts that would put us in a situation to doubt who you are and what you can do and, and, and to doubt your abilities to handle the situations that we're in, Lord God. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would help us to get those thoughts speedily out of our head, Lord God, and get our thoughts focused back on you and to do the things that you are calling us to do by an act of our own will to align our will with your will, Lord God, and not align our wills with our own wills or anyone else's, Lord God, but only with you. Help us, Lord God, to remain humble and, and to have humility, Lord, because as you have brought us through so many different circumstances and so many situations, Lord God, we have to remember, Lord, and ask that you would help us to remember that the only reason we got through it is because of you, because your son Jesus said that, for without you, we are nothing, Lord God. And for without you, we have nothing, Lord God. So help us to never to never forget that, Lord God, and to always, always remember that and to always bring our situations to, to you. I pray, Lord God, that you will bless everyone that has heard this message, Lord, and that if you put somebody in our path that would benefit from these words, Lord, that you would give us the words to say to them, Lord, to be able to share your good news with those that may not know you. And even with those that do know you, but may doubt who you might, who you are and what it is that you can accomplish. I pray, Lord, that you continue to bless everyone, Lord God, and that you continue to watch over every single one of us. These things I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Well, if this message was a blessing to you. Um, feel free to forward this message and, and, and information about us to any family, friends, or loved ones, or anyone that might be in opposition to you. You can find us at www.genesis1, Genesis1 is one word, uh, www.genesis1.sermon.net. And if you click on the corner on the subscribe button, you'll be notified, uh, you'll receive notifications any single time content is posted. We also have apps on the Google Play Store and the Apple Store, all free for charge, all of our sermons. Are, are available for free because we just want to make the word available uh, to anyone that's desiring to hear it. And we also have a YouTube channel. If you go on YouTube and search Genesis 1, two separate words there, Genesis 1 Christian Ministries, you'll be able to find our, our video messages on there as well. And you can subscribe there and also be notified anytime uh, new content is posted on there as well. So praise God. I pray that you go, excuse me, go in his perfect peace. And that you will remember that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Praise God and God bless. And I sing praises to you.